I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships. It creates language for what motivates us and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram's a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and with me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram ninja. Hello. My man. Hey. We're joined by the inimitable Cambry Ross. I'm going to try and make that stick, Cambry. <laughs> I still have a hard time saying that word. <laughs> I practiced 12 times prior to the recording. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> well, each of us really get into the Enneagram because it's made our lives and relationships better. And if you're listening to this, the language that we used for ones in our intro to typing podcast may have stuck out to you. And so we're going to talk about just some basics in very basic language for ones. And hopefully if this works... Uh, you will either hear a lot of things that resonate with you, or you're going to hear some stuff that just doesn't quite click for you. If it deeply resonates with you, obviously, type one is a good place to begin seeing yourself and jumping into some of our other podcasts. If it doesn't feel like it quite hits you, it's worth going to some of the other numbers that you wrote down. And that's what I got. We got anything else uh, before we jump into this? Be gentle with yourself on this. There, there might be some things that hurt pretty bad when you hear about them, <laughs> and uh, that's okay. It's 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 okay. It's it's a sign that it's working. Um, and also, if if there are things that hurt pretty bad, yeah, you, th- that that's that's a good sign that you're in the right place. Exactly. We are going to be talking about your motive, and sometimes the worst elements of yourself will get pictured and spoken of quite what. Ruthlessly, yeah. clearly, yeah. <laughs> all of the above. Many people feel strange or even exposed when they come to Enneagram, so just be prepared that that may happen to you, and that means that the tool is doing what it's supposed to. So what we're going to do is we're going to start by hearing how one speak about themselves. So Cambry Ross is not only a stellar graphic designer, but one of the best researchers on Enneagram types and how Enneagram types think about themselves that's out there. And so, uh, Cambry, thank you. let's talk about some motives for ones. How, how is it that ones describe seeing themselves? Okay, so I put together a list of all of the motives that go with type one. Sometimes the simple phrase of, I want to be good, doesn't quite cut it. And people are like, okay, but what does that actually mean? in real life? How does, what does that look like? Um, so here is a list of all of those motives combined. I want to have integrity and be ethical. I want to be good. I want to be virtuous. I want to feel whole. I want to finally feel like I'm in balance. I want to be dedicated and reliable. I want to be right. I want the way I see the world to be accurate. I want to live the right way and do things the way they should be done. I want to constantly strive higher and higher. I want to improve the world around me, including myself. I want my life to be lived in a way that is consistent with my ideals. 
I want to feel justified in what I think and do. I want to be beyond criticism, fault, and blame, so as not to be condemned by anyone. These are all quotes from ones about themselves. I myself type as an Enneagram one, and some of them really hit me. Some of them are like, yeah, I used to kind of be there, but there's some there that really tag me. I'm like, yep, that's how I process the world. And and notice that um, I'm sure there are a lot of people listening to this is like, yeah, that's that sounds that that sounds like me. <laughs> I hear a lot of those things, and I think that is something to strive toward. But it because I don't identify as a one; those aren't things that strike me at my core. Like that, yeah. n- there's almost nothing in that list that I feel like I I live unconsciously from that place, and and that is something that would apply to ones is that at least one of those things is like, yes, that uh, just resonates with my soul. Um, I love what you said, TJ. I would add as well to be careful of attributing motivations to external things that are influencing you. Yeah. Um, for example, if you are in, if you're highly religious or if you have parents that are really strict you might think that you're a one because it's like, oh, yeah, I want to be good. I want to be righteous. I want to have integrity. Those are religious sounding mm-hmm. words. Yeah. However, it's the reason that you are. If you're religious, it's the reason you're religious. If right. you can be a one and not be religious, you can be super religious, not be a one. And if you have parents that are very one-ish, that can also affect you. But at your core, the things that motivate you to do the things that you do should fit this list if you're one. Right. Yeah. What is your motive? What is the energy that's really propelling you? Yes. Worthwhile. Yes. Want to make the world better? Want to not be spoiled? Want to feel like you're right? Mm -hmm. And that's how you navigate the world. We're going to talk about eight big ideas for each of the types, but we're going to start here with ones, and ones are going to commonly have similar answers to these eight topics. And the first is where I find happiness. TJ, where do ones find happiness? So we talked about the the sort of general motivation of, of typical ones, and the happiness comes in in finding themselves in the right, finding themselves in, in those spaces where they get things done and they do it the right way. They're able to make the world around them better and sort of see things put in order. Mm. I think there are a lot of ways that ones find happiness, but this will be uh, easy things to point to to say, oh, when, when I am able to order the world around me according to how it should be, that sort of fills me up a little bit. I think that's that's something that, that a lot of ones will resonate with. 100%. Mm. One of the quotes I have for type one, um, they were talking about being right and what that means to them. They said, right for me means it serves a purpose, whatever that is. If it doesn't serve some purpose, it's in the way or causing a problem. If I can fix it, mm. I'm happy. If I can't, I stress. Those are both excellent. My father is a dentist who is also a one, has chosen a vocation in which he spends all of his day making people's teeth right. Right. He's an orthodontics. Ortho means right. The, there is something about the satisfaction of taking the thing that's kind of out of joint and improving it, getting it set in the right course. Ah, 
that's filling. Well, and that's I think that's why there's such a stereotype with ones liking to clean and organize because it's that sense of accomplishment of I took this thing and I made it right or I fixed it. I made it perfect. I made it how it should be mm-hmm. when not all ones are clean. Not all ones like to organize. That's just one of the ways that they fulfill that craving. And notice that that all of the examples that we're talking about have to do with external work affecting the world around me. It's there's there's an a, an, an accomplishment an action based center to this. It's it's doing something with my hands, with my mind, with my person to affect the world in a way that makes it better. On that front, the one can turn that towards themselves. A lot of ones will be very regimented and even aggressive at improving themselves. Mm-hmm. That might display itself in diets or weightlifting or exercise of a certain sort, reading habits, uh, religious traditions, all of these. How am I improving myself? How am I improving the world around me? These end up being really core to where a lot of ones uh, are motivated and experience happiness. Yeah. yeah. That feels good. It's good. Second one is ones will commonly give the same answer for how they get what they want. Uh, how would you describe how ones get what they want to teach? Well, in that same theme of um, wanting to, to be right or good uh, or correct, there's, there's a sense of earning behind and underneath all of that. It's, it's, I have to do the right things. I have to earn my place. I have to deserve being called good. And, and so, so that the way that they sort of posture themselves against the world it, or toward the world is, has to do with like following the rules. Uh, but, but it's more about, doing the thing that is right in order to earn the goodness that I'm seeking. Or feeling worthy of the goodness. Yeah. Feeling that you actually meet the standard of goodness. Mm. There's a quote here from a different one that said, the main characteristic of being a one that I don't identify with is I want to be good. They, they say, I know I am good. I know my heart has good, pure intentions. It's just that I often feel I fall short of those intentions time and time again. So it's that inner critic of I need to constantly be trying harder and harder and harder to feel that I am good. Even though I know I'm good, I need to keep working. Mm. Hmm. For myself as a one, I think if I'm good enough at task A, B, and C, then I'll get what I want in my desire to, it's not just, uh, I want to improve the world, but if I'm really good at the things I do, then the world will be improved and the earning side comes out in those ways. That is interesting. I like hearing how you reflect on what it is like for you. That's interesting to me. Mm. There's something about a lot of ones who will be very harsh critics of themselves uh, we will, on our podcast, me, others will talk about having an inner critic, as Cambry said. There is a high degree of self-judgment. If I'm good enough, then I'll be able to do the right things in the world. But it starts with myself, and a lot of ones will describe that. And so it begins with, all right, I'm going to take a, a hard inventory of myself, of conversations I've had, of my environment, my job. I need to make sure that everything's in the right order so that then I can move into the world 
free of judgment from others and do the things that I want. That processing of getting what what we want, that seems to me to describe a lot of the ones that I know. Hmm. A third thing that commonly comes up for ones is how they solve problems. Um, T, do you want to speak to this, how ones solve problems? Yeah, ones are, um, they want to solve problems uh, with efficiency and and correctly, of course, because uh, that's that's part of the whole thing is, is doing things the right way. And so ones will often... And this is this is entirely unconscious until you become aware of it. Ones will often turn off their emotions. They'll tr- they'll try to separate themselves from their their feelings and and their sort of attachments and and try to solve problems in the most efficient, uh, competent way possible. So what is what is the best solution for this problem? So long as we do it in an objective kind of way. Mm. That's a big part of how ones will a- approach different obstacles in their life is, is trying to, to be objective and, and separate themselves from their emotions so that they can solve the problem competently. Problem often is solved through focusing on what's right to do. This is going to be a kind of thing that ones often fall back on some sort of moral standard, some sort of systems, or some sort of principle. Mm-hmm. This is a place of great foundation for a lot of ones. You have thoughts on that, Cambry? I'm just thinking of how to separate it from other people that are also that also solve problems in this way. Mm-hmm. The idea of putting pressure on yourself and others around you, possibly to be objective, even when that might not be reasonable, or sometimes it is very reasonable. But you have a different set of standards and a different set of rules than anybody else. And it seems that ones tend to, I don't think project is the right word, but it's this idea of like, they, you almost want these other people to have that same ideal, the same preoccupation with the rule, the same principles. Yep. And get frustrated if they don't, even if they haven't been communicated. But it, I feel like it might be this subconscious thing where you're getting frustrated but not knowing that that's why you're getting frustrated with them. That you have this set of ideals, you have this set of rules in your head, they don't. And you're like, why don't you have that? Why do you not set yourself to these high standards like I do? That doesn't make sense. Why you wouldn't think like this? It might be another great clue to you being one is that you have experienced that before. You have all these high standards, and it doesn't seem like the people around you do. The people that you work with Mm -hmm. just aren't holding to those standards and keeping up, and that's a place of deep frustration for you. It can be real common for for ones. Last thoughts, Teach? I have nothing to add except for the word prescriptive. Yeah, talk about that. It's, It's almost as though there is an expectation that the people around you will, if they don't know it already, will adopt your moral standards once they learn it. Mm, Because obviously uh this is the right way. Yeah. So it's a, it's a prescriptive sort of attitude. It's just a matter of them hearing it and they'll see, they'll see that it's the right way to do things. Right. 
And for some of us are, that are ones, we don't actually realize that's what's going on when we're <laughs> talking about such things. And so this, again, it may be one of those things. It's like, oh, they're right. That's, that is how I, how I function. And that might feel uncomfortable. Very. That makes me uncomfortable, by the way. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable <laughs> for you. <laughs> I do it to a, to a different degree on different things. But. Fourth way that ones often talk about themselves is how they connect with the world and with, with other people. How do you how do ones engage relationships in the world, TJ? There's an idealism present in in ones that uh, this is connected to almost everything that we've already talked about. There there is a certain order to the world, and and we can do so much more to reach that order. And there is a better way to be for myself and also for the people around me. And and so. Uh, sort of applying that idealism to, it, it's almost like a, a, f- a filter through which they see how the world could be. So that that prescriptive nature, the um, the improvement, uh, all of that is it is tied to this vision of how things could be better. Yeah, I would say there's this ideal perfection ideal self-control, ideal autonomy. If things are out of place, what's the ideal? Where should they be? There's a lot of could and should. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest things I've seen for ones is like, stop shooting all over yourself (laughs) (laughs) because there's so many things that just, it's okay if things don't live up to your standards, but that, that is very frustrating when things don't live up to those standards because they mean so much to the one This like that's your sense of self is these ideals and you're caring about making things better. And so it can be very, very frustrating if they're not lived up to. Yeah, it's an excellent way to put that. Yeah. By way of confession, the first, perhaps the second time I ever talked to the Camry Ross (laughs) was asking her how her life was. She was purchasing a home. And at the time I had a very (laughs) strong opinion about how people should spend their money in the in the housing market, and I'm leading with this. What do you mean at right? the time? <laughs> <This doesn't, laughs> I'm throwing out major financial advice to somebody who I don't really have a relationship <laughs> with, but that's how I lead. That's how I tell uh, people that I care about them. And sometimes I think there's nothing wrong with this. I actually care about this person. I want their life to be great. I'm going to give them some helpful advice. They can take it or leave it. Yep. But that is a place that I lead. I left it. <laughs> and, you, and wisely so. It was a fantastic choice. <laughs> My advice was terrible. For the record, I also got that advice. Got into the market before yeah. it was crazy. Exactly the same situation. Yeah. Both. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and to his credit, if things were the way that they were when he bought his house, he was absolutely right. When was that? Was it in the housing crisis? Yeah. 2008, uh, I purchased yep. a home and lost half its value immediately. Ooh. The, Ooh. But the, there, there is something about, just to put a fine point on this, I'm leading with a suggestion out of care. Right. It's also the case that as a self-aware person, I do understand that my advice is often terrible. <laughs> and that also might be something that if, if you're a one, that may be something that you've experienced. <laughs> if, you would, if you would like to hear other places that have given terrible ad- advice, <laughs> I got a list. 
Go ahead. Sorry. That sounds entertaining. Um, I was just going to say, I do like that you mentioned that that's how you show that you care. And I think it's important yeah. for ones to recognize that and to make sure that those that they love know that, that yeah. this is how I show you I care. I'm not nitpicking you. I'm not doing this because I'm being critical of you or saying these things. It's because I care. Because the truth is, if ones didn't care, they wouldn't try to make things better. Right. How that materializes in my language is I would like your life to be better, your parenting to be better, your ability as a professional to be better, your business to be better, your podcast to be better, whatever we're talking about. I, I love talking about making things better in the lives of the people around me, and that's often how I lead with my energy. Mm-hmm. So, Because um, I'm also trying to earn people's trust, affection, and that's, that's a way that I get what I want. We just talked about earning things. And the idealism says, obviously... You want to be better, too. <laughs> Why would you not? <laughs> Bang. Now, Camber used the word frustrated a little while ago, and it's worth putting a little pin on that because when ones lead with ideals, they can often be frustrated when those ideals aren't met. So they have this great vision for how their house should be, how the world should be, how politics should be, how their kids should be, how their business should be. And when it's not realized, the feeling is often frustration. And that might be another clue that you're one if you have that going on in your life. I think that's also particularly applies to the individual for the one, to the to the their own person. That one's going to be harder to recognize and sort of delineate from other types because societally we are big into mental health right now. Mm-hmm. It, it, it would be easier to make the mistake of assuming that because I want to make myself better, mm-hmm. then obviously I'm a one. Right. I, I, I think that's, that's a mistake. Yeah. But there is, that is a, a definitely a significant facet to oneness, is that, that frustration of, of my own person not being able to reach my incredibly high ideals resulting in frustration is that is a quality of oneness. I will say as well along that same line, if I was just barely meeting the Enneagram and listened to this podcast, I would say, oh my gosh, yes, that is me. I'm a one case in point. But you don't realize how much another glove might fit better mm-hmm. without exploring some other types, putting on some other hats, trying a new lens prescription. And you're like, oh yeah, I can see perfectly through this, but you might see even better through another one. Mm -hmm. I actually mistyped as a one when I first encountered the Enneagram. So a lot of this really resonates for me, but there are things that resonate even more. (laughs) So if, if you had high numbers or if you wrote down another type on that piece of paper from last time, I, it is still worth exploring that is what that's what I'm getting at. And keep in mind that, that th- this is the place where ones live. I am not a one. I and there are things about myself that I get frustrated that I can't do better at. And then I forget that thing while I'm doing something else because that's not where I live. Ones live here. Mm hmm. Well, fifth, 
and I'm stealing this from a list from a fine book called The Wisdom of the Enneagram. The authors speak for ones, and they talk about being present. And I like this as an idea that is kind of in the back of the minds of ones, and it's this. they Ones believe, I will become present to my life only when I have attained complete balance and integrity, when I make no mistakes and have everything in my life sensibly organized, when I've achieved perfection, then I'll show up. But I don't show up until then. Until then, I got to get all these other things done. I think that's a great little quote about describing the mind and heart of a one prior to being able to just rest. Mm -hmm. Um, You all got thoughts on that? Well, this is also a, a good way of thinking about that sense of earning, uh, like the the part that Cambry talked about before is that mm-hmm. these are things to continually strive for. Uh, it, it's not about having the cleanest bathroom. It's about doing that job correctly. Yeah. And and you don't get to rest until you've earned that rest. Which is also why ones have a very hard time sitting down or resting or doing things that they enjoy because they have this gigantic list of things that always have to be done and they don't feel like they are worthy of these things they enjoy. They're not worthy of rest. I will show up when I meet A, B, and C criteria, which A, B, and C criteria are usually impossible to meet. So you'll never rest. You'll never reach that point because it's not, it's not easily attainable. Perfect. We mentioned earlier feeling uncomfortable, and at this point, sometimes exposing the shadow side of our type is actually the thing that really is the is the place we really see ourselves best as a type. And the the shadow for ones comes in two ways. The first is having a general fear of being corrupted, that underlying a lot of the motive and actions and decisions of a lot of ones is I'm not going to make that decision because it might spoil me. It might spoil my ethical beliefs. It might spoil my character. It might spoil my environment and feeling uh, just safe and comfortable. Um, you guys got thoughts on on this fear of corruption? Um, I have a little bit. The list that I said at the very beginning of like all the motivations for a one, I showed that list to a bunch of ones and the most common response was the, yes, I want to be beyond criticism. Yeah. I don't like, I want to not feel bad. I want to be not corruptible. I don't want to be criticized or have somebody think I'm corrupted or bad. Um, This one person said, I want to express emotion without feeling bad about it. So it's this idea of, I just want to be beyond condemnation from others, from your inner critic, from any possible perspective. You don't want to be labeled or seen as bad. I like that you sort of intro this with the word shadow, because I think this, this fear of corruption is the shadow of everything else we've, we've talked about. It's not just that ones want to be good and, and morally correct. It's also on the darker side of it, that they want to avoid the corruption. Mm. They want to be correct, but also they want to make sure that they are not incorrect. Mm-hmm. 
And it's all, all of the things that we've said so far that the, this, this fear of corruption is sort of the, the darker side of the way that they see themselves and the world. It might even show up as an inhibiting thing where you say, but what if I'm wrong? But what if this makes me bad? Or what if this is the thing that condemns me or whatnot? Mm -hmm. And then it inhibits you from acting in ways that would benefit you and the world. Right. And like this is this is part of where the that sense of earning lives. The, the the reason they can't rest is because they have to ensure that they are above reproach. It's not just that they have to be good enough. They have to be so good that they cannot be criticized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how earning in the mind and heart of a one takes place. If I'm if I'm good enough, then I'll I'll get these things. Mm-hmm. Spun a negative way. We we're gonna talk quite a bit or we do talk quite a bit in our podcast about the energies of all the types but the energy really taking place in the heart of a one is is anger and that anger is actually pointed at themselves mm-hmm. and the the hypercritical side to a one the hypersensitivity to their own failures faults flaws is where a lot of ones live we've already talked about having an inner critic um, but that's that's a lot of the energy taking place there and that's why ones will present the way they do. If I'm good enough, then I'll get the relationships I desire or the job that I want or be able to improve the world in, in ways where I'm above reproach and have earned the ability to do things well in the spheres that I care about. Hmm. This is why when Cambry was mentioning one saying they don't want to be criticized by other people, this is the huge thing for ones. They spend all day criticizing themselves. And when other people begin to pile on, the weight is, is significant and they feel it. And they feel it very deeply because that's, that's a place that ones can often live. I would just, I have a question, I guess, on this for you, Jeff. Is it also like this, I've seen this thing in myself. If somebody else confirms it, then that must mean it is even more true, like trying to be objective, right? So it's the whole, this has been confirmed from more than one source. I'm just asking, is that, is that, okay, that's correct. The, I, actually, the way I experience other people's criticism generally is either I will hear it and respond very defensively, or I will hear it and know that they are exposing something it's going to take a lot of work that I can't get around to right now, and I need to apologize about all the, all the many failures over the past years and years and years and years where that character flaw was prevalent because I need to clean everything up. It's hmm. interesting. I want all the things to be neat, tidy, not only in my present and as things move into the future. I really want my past to have a sheen as well at times. And so... There is, I know this is common for someone's of reliving or re-thinking uh, through conversations they've had with that highly critical voice. Did I say that right? Did that come out the way I wanted it to? Do I need to apologize to a person? Mm-hmm. And if somebody else were to, were to come in and say, man, you are just terrible in that moment. I don't know why you're so angry and so forceful and why are you going over the top in these five spaces, ones will feel that and react to it. I'm sure there's a 
another way to react to it that's not repentance. I mean, some <laughs> ones might just get highly defensive, and, but that's part of their hypersensitivity there. They feel it, and then perhaps the anger materializes in a different way. Yeah. I think that um, especially unaware and particularly unhealthy ones uh, will like that, that anger comes out there because it's a defense mechanism. Um, And like this will become a place where when, when ones get criticized, if they've already spent enough energy beating themselves up about it and someone else piles on that anger will start to come out and push against whatever they're hearing spills over the cup. It's too full. Right. Interesting. Got it. Lastly, for ones, ones are commonly going to exhibit for everyone else, real strengths. Mm. When you think about, ones and their strengths and what they bring to the world. What what do you all see? You can count on ones and you know, when you give them a task, they are going to do it and they're going to do it well. They, if there's a certain rule or a certain standard, like if they're an employee, perhaps they will meet that standard. They'll say, Oh, this is the way that it needs to be mopped. I will mop it that way. They will do it. Well, I think they also do give good advice. Oftentimes, (laughs) Oftentimes, <laughs> I know that you don't <laughs> think you always give good advice, but I think that that can be a real strength, especially when the one is very attuned to the person, especially if it's a really good friend, really close family member. They might have some really objective truths that can be very, very helpful for that person. That's a great list. Yeah, ones are are good teachers and and they're good motivators and and we've talked about their desire to improve everything around them and if you're in their life they want you to be better and and we're not talking about you need to like fix these things about your life but they want you to have fullness of life they they want you to improve everything around you because your life will be better because of it. And and so maybe you need some boundaries around what they're <laughs> allowed to, to speak into, but, but having people in your life that inspire you to be better is a good thing. And ones do that automatically. Yep. I think ones have a great radar for sp- small things, mm-hmm. all, almost always. Like, what, what are the small things that can be improved, especially when they're, you know, their ethical center is, is solid there. That's always a good person to listen to. Um, I find the ones in my life really stable, sometimes too stable. Like I really <laughs> wish you'd <laughs> move into some other spaces, but the, yeah, the reliability is, as Cambria was kind of talking about, is, is just always right there. I'll say as well, the intentions behind one's motives mm-hmm. are usually very, very honorable, Mm -hmm. very good. I mean, coming, so for myself, I'm very (laughs) self-interested. And so my motives often come out of that. But ones genuinely just want things to be good. They just want goodness in the world. And I find that very honorable, I guess is a good word. I just, it's amendable. 
commendable. That's the word I was looking for. It's very commendable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that that is, that's a big strength in my eyes that they have really good hearts. Bang. Last words on ones. You might be a one if. Ooh, you might be a one if. Why'd you have to say that? (laughs) (laughs) A bunch of thoughts come to mind. You might be a one if you criticize yourself in, in severe ways, ways you would never criticize somebody else, but you find yourself doing this as a pattern at times, especially when things aren't going very well. Uh, you might be a one if you walk into a room full with people and the first thing in your mind is, how can I make this better? Who can I serve? What's my place to kind of move things forward? Uh, you might be a one if you get really frustrated by uh, the political climate because things could be way, way better. Uh, I could keep going. <laughs> I'll say you might be a one if you hide all the details of your work projects until they're 100% finished and you've accounted for all possible flaws. Huh? You might be a one if you say, I won't do that because I won't be good at it. <laughs> and so I, you, I, if I'm not perfect the first try, there's no point. I got to build on yours, Camry. It's you got to fix it. <laughs> It, I, we're not t- talking about what the plan is until we get the plan. But once we get the plan, then we're talking about it. This is the way it's going to be. And you're, we're probably not moving off the plan. I'm so confused. we spent all that time <laughs> in, the ba- in the back. <laughs> oh, you're confused about. <laughs> I missed the My joke. mind doesn't think like that. So I'm just, just trying to like wrap my head around the I'm awful at planning. So. You got to set the foundation and you got to make sure the there foundation is set okay. before you can. It's, it's a thousand percent about building a foundation to a house. If you imagine how ones think about, well, at least how I think about most things is I spend all my time thinking about the foundation and then, I, and I won't, and the foundation is always very, very flexible. So we got mm-hmm. on the podcast. How do we want to do this? We could do this. We could do this. Right. We could do this. Once we decide what we're going to do, okay, that's where we're going to lock in. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. We're moving. And I'm, I'm saying, hey, but we said <laughs> we, we were going to do have this. three parts. <laughs> and that's, and that's, and it's because you're building a house. Hey, that also, that's another strength though. It, ones keep people on track. Ones are really good at being project managers and saying, this is where we need to be at this time. And these are our deadlines and we need to hit them. And tracking those and hitting them. Sure. I mean, every project needs that. Bang. Well, there's our skinny on ones. To wrap this up, if you really engaged this material and you felt like it hit you, we have a podcast called Basics Type 1, which you can find in our catalog, which would be a great second step. It's also the case that you could just grab any topic from our catalog that really stands out to you from relationships um, to problem solving to you might be a fan of some movie. And just jumping in, listening for what we say about ones and, and beginning to see these as ways to think about yourself and the glasses through which you see the world can be amazingly helpful as you begin to be self-aware in your relationships and uh, in the work that you do. And obviously this is a journey and we're, we're talking just a lot about life through the, through the lens that you have there. So you all got anything else on these uh, to say to the ones? You might be a one if you took copious notes during this podcast. (laughs) You might be a one if if you don't get this right, you're messing the whole thing up. (laughs) 
What I would have done is listen to the podcast, and if it really hit me, I'd been okay. I probably need to go back and take Cody's oh really because there was oh. some good stuff. It's a, it would be an afterthought. So, but that's it's good. You're, you're describing behavior, and I'll I'll let <laughs> you know true. what's actually going on. The motive behind yeah. the curtain. <laughs> well, he's T.J. Wilson. He's officially awesome. She's Cambry Ross, and she's inimitable. And uh, I'm Jeff Cook, and who you aren't isn't interesting. Be who you are. That's where the gold is. Morning will come burning. <laughs>